Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, the Irish Times said about you, or the Irish Times' august institution, that Gaybarn was unquestionably the most influential radio and television personality in the history of the Irish state. What do you think of that? Well, isn't that a powerful accolade? And isn't it wonderful whoever thought that up to say such a nice thing about me? I think probably that I'm going back 50 years, I'm going back to 1962, and I'm going back to the first, probably the first five, certainly the first five years, probably the first 10 years of television and the extent to which it influenced people and the extent to which it uh, everything was of significance which happened on it and, and the arguments which television coverage of many things gave rise to. And I'm not just talking about the Late Late Show. There were all sorts of other programs as we eventually got into our stride after 1962, after the first four or five years. There were lots of very, very good programs going on and people took them very seriously. And in, in that way, I believe television had a huge influence on Ireland, not just the Late Late Show, but lots of other things as well. And then we, we got into the stage where we're at now, where there are probably 150 channels available all day, every day, 24-7, uh, in, in everybody's drawing room and we've become so accustomed to it now that I, I wonder does anybody have the same uh, does anything have the same influence in the way of a television programme anymore I, or indeed a radio programme Well that was Gay Byrne chatting to us on the Limerick Today show back in 2013 he was coming to Limerick at that point to do his one man show although it involved his wife Kathleen as well at times at the Lime Tree Theatre and I went along to that show and it was quite amazing uh, to see uh, his ability to communicate with an audience uh, and to do it with uh, virtually no notes uh, throughout and uh, you know he was uh, well into uh, the autumn if not winter of his career at that point uh, amazing um, character and everywhere in the papers today it's just pictures of gay at different points during his radio and TV career and let's say get a kick out of uh, all of the analysis. Uh, how did he do it? Why did he do it? Uh, what influence was he? And some people suggesting that, you know, he had no great theories of his own and uh, he had no great philosophies of life. And I was thinking, well, maybe he just kept them to himself because that was really what it was about for him, wasn't it? You know, his ability to facilitate. And the other thing that I was trying to figure out last night was, Who's better? Who's been better? Um, you know, since he stopped doing you know, radio shows and uh, talk shows on television and, and all of that, is there anyone we can think of uh, who has matched him? You know, you have those discussions in sport, for example. You know, whether it's O'Driscoll or O'Connell or uh, Ronaldo or Messi. You know, and people will argue about it um, left, right, and centre. And in boxing, actually, because they have different weight divisions and all of that. And, you know, it's hard to compare Muhammad Ali to you know a lightweight or a welterweight. They talk about the best pound-for-pound pound boxer there's ever been and people might talk about Sugar Ray Leonard in that context. I, I think pound-for-pound. Pound. Has there been anyone better uh, than Gay Byrne who's uh, passed away and um, our producer Amory is with me in the studio. Um, and we were just chatting earlier in the office about his influence and what does he mean to different people? You know, there are people listening this morning of various ages and does he mean more to some than others or was his influence so all-pervasive that he means something 
to almost everyone listening to yeah, the show. I think something to almost everyone is definitely um, a part of it. Depending on your age, I suppose, the influence as well. For me, a child at home in the house, home from school, sick, vomiting, temperature, mum trying to give me toast and gay burn on on the radio show because I should have been in school. And any time I was at home on a weekday, the, the, the Gay Barn show was on the radio in the kitchen and it, it was a part of, I think, well, in our house, our life, you know, our, our me growing up, mm-hmm. his voice in the background. And obviously that was the same in loads of houses across the country. But, you know, looking back as an adult, my mum was the traditional stay-at-home housewife, um, you know, worked at home, uh, was doing the things like the dinner and the cooking and the shopping and rushing and racing and all that kind of thing in the house. But Gayborn was on in the background. And I remember as a child, as a tot, you know, Mammy, can I have this? Or Mammy, can I have that? Shh, shh, wait, shh. Because she's listening to Gaybo on the radio. Yeah. And, you know even at times radio being turned down, moving me out of the room <laughs> because may not necessarily wanted me to hear certain conversations. And at times I obviously it went above my head because I was a child and it was just that voice and the theme tune, I could sing it along to it in the, the kitchen. Um, but as I got older, uh, the Late Late Show then was the big influence because, you know, I started writing my letters to Santa and every year Gay Barn was a part of that. What did Gay Barn talk about on the toy show influenced what I put in my letter for Santa and the big discussion about leaving it in the chimney and all that kind of thing. That was Gay Barn's influence on me as I grew up. And obviously then, um, as an adult and giving what I do in radio, I, I often have looked back at you know, those interviews, for example, the Annie Murphy interview um, that I do remember as a youngster, but I now look back at as an adult and as someone who works in radio, analysing how he dealt with it, that moment in time, the impact it had on society, how society and how Ireland was at that time. And I looked at it again last night. I watched the whole interview again last night and I just thought, wow, different times, different times and the hostility and how he dealt with it and the people in the audience. So, yeah, huge, huge impact on my life from as early as I can remember being the height of the kitchen table right up to this very day. And I'll talk about it later, meeting him later on in life in my my career in radio. Yeah, yeah, we uh, had great fun with him that morning and we'll play parts of the interview over the next few hours. We'll be doing other things as well, by the way, during this morning's Limerick Today show over uh, the next uh, three hours. Um, But we'll one of the things that he said to us that morning, and we'll put the full interview up at live95.ie as a podcast as well, is in terms of his qualities, because I was just trying to get out of him, you know, and I mean, he was quite guarded, as you know. Now, in this particular one, maybe a little bit longer around and maybe not as guarded about his, his talents as he mm. was earlier in his career. But one thing he did say was, I was a good listener. Mm. As yeah. you know, an interviewer and as yes. a broadcaster, I yeah, was a he good listener. You that no, morning. no, I mean, he said he was a good listener. But he said that to you as well. Oh, yeah, but that's he not complimented relevant, but... you. No, but he complimented you that morning on you being a good listener to him doing the interview. And then he talked about that was what he found as a quality in broadcasting because he was a good listener and he was always, you know, complimented as being a good listener. But that that was the quality across the board. I've even seen it on Twitter last night. He facilitated, he listened. How much did we know or how much do we know about Gay Byrne? Personal life, personal views. We know a certain amount, but how much do we really know? Um, and, you know, I, I heard an interview about him uh, saying how he wouldn't give 
his views on religion and things like that around the meaning of life to guests. He didn't want them to know his views because he was afraid they would frame their answers in a certain way and he wouldn't get the best out of them. Um, yeah, so, yeah, look, he, he was an absolute genius. He, was, he had a natural ability as well. People go, oh, right place, right time. You know, Ireland was different. Ireland was different back then, but he connected. He connected well, with people and he had a natural ability. It, it's not something that can be taught. It was natural. And has there been anyone better, Anne-Marie, since? <sighs> I was trying to think last night, you know, there's some geniuses out there, legends. You know, Jerry Ryan had his own qualities, but it was different. It was different. G- Gay Barnes, it was, a, it was a matter of timing. It was a matter of the times we lived in. You would know an awful lot more about uh, Jerry Ryan and his views on things because that's the way he he did drive his show. It, it nearly was him b- bursting out his views on things and then getting the nation's reaction. Whereas it, he was just a different style. And has there been anyone since? Absolutely not. Will there be anyone like it again? No. No, because the way society was at the time, there was no social media. I mean, I remember the days with local radio here where there was no social media. You covered a story and people were gathered around the radio telling everyone to be quiet because if they miss it, they miss it and they can't hear it again. There was no yeah. podcast. There was no rewinding back and playing again. There was none of that. If it happened, it happened and you depended on the broadcaster to, re- to repeat that moment. Because I was thinking of Graham Norton last night. Brilliant at what he does. You know, Terry yes. Wogan, and a, yes. a Limerick genius. You, you know, Pat Kenny's a great broadcaster. You know, there are loads of examples uh, of it and we'll talk to uh, one example from Limerick in just a moment. Uh, RT's another, will legend. Another, another legend. Another legend. He's coming he's, in the he's, door as who's we coming, speak. Who's coming in the door as we speak. Will is here. <laughs> so right. we'll get we'll to sit down there in the middle if you don't mind, Will, please. Thanks very much and uh, how are you and good morning to you and thank you very much for, for coming in this morning. We, we were just kind of reflecting on, on Gay Byrne and uh, Anne-Marie and I and we're, we're thinking about other great broadcasters yourself included, oh, very good, yeah. uh, you know, are the Nortons of the world, the Wogans of the world, all these people. But has that all a- come from here, though? I mean, when you consider, I mean, okay, you have Terry Wogan, Eamon Andrews, Gay Byrne, Jerry Ryan, Graham Norton, five of the best in the world ever come from a country of five million. What is it about us? I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I'm terribly upset. And I know this is stupid because I didn't know the man. But I am terribly upset and I've been really upset since yesterday and I've thought about him pretty much every waking moment and I was awake most of the night thinking about what I was going to say on my own show this morning and I wanted to play certain clips and play certain songs and I wanted to do it with with dutiful respect. But I don't know why I'm so upset about it. I'm mm. really... And, and it's strange because we all knew how ill he was and he's 85 and it's a great old age and we'd all love to live to 85 but it's just... it's Whether it's the symbolism of the end of something which I think is bringing us all back to our childhood. And it's very hard. I'm trying to explain to my own children. We had one channel, right? And you're trying to explain it to your children going, and I, I don't quite understand, Dad. What are you talking about? What is this nonsense you're speaking? You know, we had one channel. And particularly when I talked to my friends in RT yesterday, and, you know, they live on the East Coast. And let's be honest, Joe, they had the channels. Right, and we didn't get the channels here. I think until somebody illegally bounced them in. In about, That's I remember right. my mother got the channels. I'd say it was 1984. We got this illegal yoke. Do you remember I they do, bounced in the I channels? Do remember it, yeah. And we got BBC One, and we got UTV, and we thought, listen, this is it. But up to then, we had the one channel, and then in 1978, we got the second channel. But RT Two was really just cowboy movies. I mean, there was nothing really of any substance on that. You went to RT One, and I remember being, and this. 
again sounds ridiculous to my children when I'm trying to explain this to them. When I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, the, the treat was you were allowed to stay up to the first ads in the late, late, right? And uh, my parents would say, you can stay up to the first ads and then you've got to go to bed at 10 o'clock. And he'd always put the pop star or the actor on at half nine. So the kind of sexy guest was always on at half nine for the kids. And we'd be allowed to stay up to the first ads of the late, late. And I don't know what it was, but it was a big deal to be able to watch the late, late. And I was, I only started to get into um, media when I was in secondary school. And I happened to be in school with a guy who was Gayburn's next door neighbour, right? Now, when I was 15, 16, this was like basically telling me that Pele was his next door neighbour. Uh, the fact that Gayburn was his... And I was always too cool to ask him, you know. But one day it happened that we were running a charity thing in school and we had just got a school video camera. And the idea came about, would we ask Gayburn to do a message that we could play at school sports day? So, of course, who volunteers Love of us here? And off I go up to host and I get to go to the house... Right, so I'm in the house at the age of 16 and I meet Gay Byrne. And to me, who was into radio and television at the time, this was like going to Mount Olympus. I mean, I was trying to think this morning who was the biggest actor or celebrity of that time. It was probably Harrison Ford. And if you'd asked me, uh, the biggest actor of the time, Harrison Ford, the biggest sports star was probably Kenny Dalglish or Gay Byrne. I'd have taken Gay Byrne any day of the week. So to meet him, go, hello, Mr. Byrne, how are you? And then to go into his house and meet him and then he did the thing in the video and he was so nice and so charming and then by pure coincidence then the following year when I was in sixth year another friend I had in school his mother was a guest on the Late Late Show and he said to me would you like to go? So I was 17 and I got to sit in the front row of the Late Late uh, on Good Friday 1989 I'll always remember it and again it was like because I didn't quite understand how television was made back then and now that I do know how it is made uh, comparing what I know now to what I saw then uh, is a major compare and contrast. If you watch television these days, pretty much 100% of the presenters you see on television will be reading what they're saying to you from what's called an auto cue. And what an auto cue is, is that when the presenter goes, good evening and welcome to the show, coming up tonight we have, they're reading that from a computer screen which has the script on it and it rolls with the script at the speed that the presenter speaks. So it's, that's what it's called auto cues. Every presenter uses it. And pretty much 100% of presenters has what's in, the, in their ear an earpiece so that the director can tell them, you've five minutes, you've got to wrap up, we've got to go to an ad break or there's such and such thing happening. Gay Byrne didn't use any of those, right? Because what people forget is he wasn't, he wasn't just the presenter of the program. He was so important, he was the producer of the program. So he decided what went on the programme and what didn't. And you might remember when you were young, do you ever remember that we, you'd be like half 11 and Gay Byrne would say, well, this is going well, I'm going to stay on the air. Yes. He was that powerful. He could stay on the air. <laughs> yeah. So you'd see him off camera, look up at the gallery and say to the director, uh, Dennis, would you just tell them we need another 15 minutes? And he'd stay on the air. He was that, he was that powerful that he could do that. And I mean, when you're growing up and you see this, there was one person. He was all we had. Now, Mike Murphy was great as well. And that's not to demean him at all. I thought Mike Murphy was brilliant. Uh, but Gay Byrne and Mike Murphy, they were the two stars of television in the 70s and the 80s. And, and you always say, well, it's just Ireland. But then... As you grow older and you see what other countries had, you just realise it wasn't just Ireland. Gay Byrne was was very special. He mm. had, I think a lot of it goes back to the fact was, he didn't go to third level. 
where he left school uh, and uh, he went into, I'm not sure whether it was insurance he went into, but he went into a job straight out of school and he wanted to be an actor and he trained to be an actor. And I think an awful lot of what you see in the gay burn was, was a performance. Um, everybody who works with him on the radio and, and right up to when he finished on Lyric two years ago, a friend of mine was uh, his assistant one day. They were looking for an assistant and, and uh, JJ said, right, I'll do it. So, so he had to go to Dublin for the afternoon and Gay Byrne had said to him, well, you need to come in three hours beforehand. Now, three hours beforehand, I rock in about three minutes beforehand and it's doing well. But three hours before, so they arrived in three hours beforehand. This is only two years ago. Two hour, three hours beforehand to do his show on Lyric and he would, it was a two-hour programme and he would have little bits that he'd prepare to go in between the songs. He would do the whole show in real time, play the music out, and do a two-hour show, then have his lunch, and then do the whole two-hour show again. And that's old-school rehearsing for a performance. And, and Larry Gogan does it these days. Larry will still come in with scripts written down, and he'll prepare it, and he'll read it over before he says it out on the air. And, and it's, it's how do you teach people that? Because people don't have the energy, the patience for that. Yeah, and Will, you uh, won an Imro Radio Award this year for uh, the radio moment of the year. Uh, and we it, don't like oh, the that No, 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 fair play. <laughs> but the reason I'm raise, raising it is um, it was about Jerry Ryan, and it was recreating Jerry on the air as if he were still with us. Now, Gay, I mean, you know, we talk about content creators an awful lot and great content on everything from social media. No better presenter for the moment than Gay Byrne. He created moments. He did. Now, OK, was he lucky? He'll say he was lucky. He'll say he was the right man, right place, right time. Uh, you know, there was only room for one. And he was the one. And, of course, he could have left Ireland many times. I mean, he got all these offers uh, to leave the country. It's only when you read his book that you realise for somebody who was so important, he was very insecure. But it was easy to be insecure back then because RTE was all there was. Uh, you know, nobody was coming along to offer him another job. And he only got security when independent radio came along and Century Radio the famous story offered him a million pounds. Uh, it's in his book. He tells a great story about how the head of this new radio station in 1989 came to his house, sat at his kitchen table and slid an envelope. It sounds very mafioso. Slid an envelope across the table and in it was a cheque for one million Irish punts in 1989. And uh, Oliver Barry said to him, look, he said, look, I don't think I'm going to go, but I'll think about it over the weekend. And Oliver Barry said to him, well, look, I'll just leave that check with you. And Kate Bird said, you will not take that out of this house this instant. I'm not having that in this house over the weekend. Uh, so it was only when that came along and he realised his value in the marketplace uh, that he became a little less insecure. But right up to then, right up from 1960-whatever up to 1989, he always thought, they'll get rid of me tomorrow. Yeah, you know, Gay worked in the UK. Um, you know, he had chances to go to places like the States. He'd probably have been a success anywhere. But would he have had the same influence on any other society that he has had on Ireland? Well, you think of of other countries, and you think of our nearest neighbour. You think of who are the colossus of of light entertainment. This Parkinson, who for me now, I know everyone's saying Gay Byrne. Parkinson for me will always be the best interviewer. But I think what made Parkinson for me great was we saw him on a pre-recorded programme edited down to the best bits. So maybe I view Parkinson with those gilt-edged uh, glasses that I'm, I'm looking at him in the perfection of somebody had a chance to take out the bad bits, whereas Gay Byrne was always live. In America, you had Johnny Carson, and I suppose you have to remember you had Oprah, but you're talking about a handful of people. You know, John Bowman was on Claire Byrne last night saying that in his view... There isn't a country in the world where one person was able to dominate debate in the way he was. 
And I think a lot of it was down to the fact was, again, we had that one channel and he was the master of ceremonies for the big events on that one channel. And I, I mean, last night as well, people forget, he did 17 rows of Tralees. I mean, the rows of Tralees is a marathon job. 17 of those. Caller housewife of the year. All of the things he did on the radio. The people in need telethon people forget about. And I didn't see a single clip last night of Millionaire. Mm -hmm. uh, Millionaire was a colossus uh, back in the early 2000s. Right. You know, I mean, the man did more work after he retired. Yeah. I find it kind of amusing if one said, well, he retired in 1999. He did more work since 1999 than most people do in an average career. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would occasionally, of course, be in Limerick. You'd see him um, because he had a daughter. I think his daughter still lives in Killaloo. Uh, so he would come down the odd Sunday. So I'd be walking through the Lyric office because um, I'm a bit of a swat going going into work on a Sunday. And I'd be walking through the office and our office in Lyric FM is open plan. So the studios look out at the office. So if you're walking through the office, you can look into the studios. I'm walking along there and there's Gay Byrne doing his show. And I'm going, do not look. Do not look. It's like, do not stare directly at the eclipse. So you'd have to be casual and walk past the window and go, well, Gay Byrne's in there. Don't look at all. Um, and I, the only time I ever really had a, a lengthy enough conversation with him was at the Rose of Tralee 10 years ago because he was there. It was the 50th Rose of Tralee and Kathleen and himself were so associated with the Rose of Tralee and I am the Kathleen Watkins of today. <laughs> so I was brought over to the two of them and mm -hmm. I had to explain to Kathleen who I was. She goes, of course, I know who you are now. And, uh, but th they were very much, I mean, what is it about Irish celebrities? They're they were very approachable people, you know. I mean, he must have been mithered from people coming up to him. And then in the in the Haiti, he must have been mithered from people telling him what they thought of him. Because everyone had an opinion on Gay Byrne. And I know everyone today is saying, you know, what a wonderful man. But a lot of people didn't like him in the in the seventies and eighties. And you'd have a you'd have an uncle who go, That gay burn! I can't stand that gay burn. And people loathed him as much as loved him. I mean, a lot more people loved him than loathed him, but the you know, people all had an opinion on him. Yeah, I mean, I remember at home, you know, my mother preferred him on radio. And wasn't crazy about him on the late late. My dad loved him on the late late and didn't really know very much about him on the radio. But that was his span. Yeah, that was his ability. And I suppose he was a TV performer first and foremost because the radio came ten years after the late late started. So he was he was put on the radio because he was such a success on the late late. But of course, there's one thing that I was I was trying to explain to people as well yesterday was if you're under 25 now and there are media courses this morning where the lecturers are coming out and explaining to the pupils how important Gayburn was, and they're all scratching their head, going, "I don't know who this man is." Mm -hmm. You know, he has been off the Late Late Show for 21 years, and it is a really long long time. Uh, you know, he, he lived a long, full life that yeah. I suppose we can all be very grateful for and that I'm sure he was very grateful for. But how lucky are we that we had him? I mean, how lucky are we in a country this size that a talent of that nature was ours and served us all so well and put in all those hours and was so diligent and he was so methodical um, and, and so insistent on punctuality. And, you know, a good friend of mine was one of his producers and, and he would say, you know, they would sit down at a meeting every, and, and maybe this is something we can all take into, into radio. They would sit down at a meeting every week and he would take out an envelope from his pocket where he would have jotted down thoughts and he would say, we haven't done an item on farmers in the last three months. We need to do an item on farmers. He, he knew that RTE was there to serve everybody. And he would go through basically a category of, we haven't done anything on women today, or we haven't done anything on this today, or we haven't done anything on students today. And they would go through that and make sure that every box was ticked sort of every quarter. Um, and and he, he could, he was, he, his mind was always that way. He was always thinking how best to put on a show. He was a showman and how best to put on a show.
Alright, great to have you and thank you so much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Ortiz Will Leahy talking about gay burn. Call Limerick today now on 461995.